Welcome to Calvary Chapel Sebastian Podcast. We hope that you're blessed by this message. All right, all right. You're going to need a Bible. Raise your hand if you need a Bible, and guest services will put a Bible into your hand. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 41. If you need one, raise your hand up high and uh, take it home. We love giving away Bibles at this church, and if you're listening online, welcome. We're glad that you're joining us uh, for this teaching, and uh, turn in Genesis chapter 41. We're going to be in 41 tonight, and... um, If you missed any Wednesday night services here, you can go and subscribe to the Apple Play or Spotify and you can catch up on the teachings and you see that, you can subscribe to that. And I hope you do that and share some of these teachings with uh, maybe your coworkers and friends and and, uh, let the Lord speak to them as well as they speak here in the building on Wednesday nights. Now, I wanna say this, the passage that we're gonna read tonight in chapter uh, 41 has one through 57 verses, and we're gonna proceed pretty quickly through this chapter because really this chapter is a narrative of what really happened in Joseph's life at this moment, and it's, it's a little bit repetitive, and you'll see why, and we'll go through that fairly quickly. Um, and, and so we'll get through that, but um, I, I wanna take some time to talk to you a little bit before we actually get to verse one. So be patient, I will get you there and I will get through it. Um, We're not gonna break it down verse by verse a whole lot. We're gonna read it together and it'll give me a chance to walk around while we read. But um, I I think there's some elements that I don't wanna skip over because you know, Wednesday nights, we really are, Wednesday nights are so unique. I love them because we're really treating it like a Bible study, aren't we? I feel like maybe this is in someone's house, a big house, but this is a Bible study and I want you to approach Wednesday nights like a large Bible study, just relax, come as you are, and expect God to, to, to work through um, his word and change us. And so I encourage you to take notes. And because this is a Bible study, then we can kind of break down some things and some elements that we normally wouldn't have time for on the weekend before we actually get into the word. So I encourage you to take notes and write down what God's speaking to you. But last week, we left off in chapter 39, didn't we? And in chapter 39, we, we see where Joseph is is now living a life as a slave to a master. He was sold into slavery. And Joseph, even though he was a slave to a master, he had it pretty good, didn't he? And I always said, if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna be a slave, I, I wanna be in Joseph's shoes because he was in a very wealthy place. He, he wasn't uh, uh, having a bad life. Um, but we see um, that even though Joseph was a, mas- uh, a slave to a master, he was a man who was loyal, wasn't he? He was honest And he was also honorable to his master. But even more importantly than that, this is Joseph's character. He was loyal to God, wasn't he? And those of you that were here last week, you know what happened that kind of proved what his character and integrity would be. And and Joseph was, um, he was a young man um, who, who was right at the age of 17 and 18. And I remember back when I was 17 and 18 and what, what was going through uh, my life. And Joseph was tempted quite a bit, wasn't he, with the master's wife. And I presume that she was probably, you know, nice and good looking and, you know, and, and she kept tempting him. And so he had to constantly resist that. And he was kind of in this place where it was his job to do things in the house and, and he was head of all these things and he kept getting tempted. And we talked a lot about two types of temptation last week. Um, but Joseph was a man who was falsely accused, wasn't he? You remember? And basically he was accused of attempted rape. 
with his master's wife. And I actually thought about that last week as we learned, and I thought, you know, it really was the other way around. It was actually sexual harassment to him because she wouldn't leave him alone. And so when she finally grabbed a hold of him, remember, he resisted and his cloak fell off. And so she used that. She was upset. Maybe her pride was hurt, maybe rejection, whatever. And basically the master came home and, and he basically, uh, he put uh, Joseph in jail. Now, Potiphar was his master. Remember, he was one of Pharaoh's officials and captain of the guard. And um, when he heard his wife's accusations, and remember, Potiphar is the one who placed Joseph in this area where he was head of everything. And so you can imagine that they're kind of friends, really. If you entrust, if think about everything you have, whether it be your 401k, your camper, your boats, your house, everything that you own, everything that you work for, all your wealth, and you, you give it to, and you give it to, uh, I'm going to pick on Danny. Danny, I'm just going to, I'm going to leave town and I'm going to give it to you and you're responsible for it. I trust you take care of it. And I come back and now this goes down. And so you can understand Potiphar is pretty upset about this, isn't he? And so it says actually in, in chapter 39, verse 19, it says that Potiphar burned with anger. And so um, that kind of a crime, he could have been killed. But I think that because they were friends, I think Potiphar was like, okay, I've got this special prison where I can put people in jail. It's not really like a jail jail for the townsfolk and people of Egypt, but it is the king's jail where he puts you in there. And so this is what happened. He didn't get killed. He went to jail. And that is where Joseph spent day after day, night after night. And, and, and one would think that while Joseph was in prison, this is where we left off, that it was absolute wasted time for a young man to be sitting in a cell. And maybe at this time in the story, you think for Joseph and you you feel for Joseph and you go, you know, the life of Joseph has not been good if you've been following along with me. And you, you may even be sitting here tonight and think, where's God in all this? Because if Joseph is a man of loyalty and honor, and integrity, and he follows God and loves God. Why is he going through all this stuff? And that's a great question. We struggle with that. And I'm here to tell you tonight that God, listen to me, God is in every detail of Joseph's life. God has a plan for Joseph, and he's involved in every details. Well, Pastor David, even the good details? Yeah. But he's also involved in the details that are very difficult, like prison, Okay, And so God is interested in every detail, and it is in God's will, I believe, through this story, that that he is put into prison. So the first thing that I want you to write down tonight, the takeaway that I want you guys to understand, is that God knows and specifically plans every detail of our lives. Give you a moment to write that down. No matter where you're at tonight, no matter what you're facing, God knows about it. God is not aloof. He is not this large God that doesn't understand your life, that doesn't know about your life. He's bigger than that. And we're going to learn why. But you, you may hear me say that tonight, and maybe you're in a difficult situation, and you have a hard time believing, really, Pastor David? God is in this detail? Let me tell you why I'm upset with that statement. 
Or maybe you've lost a loved one, or maybe you're coming out of a tragedy, and you have a very difficult time believing that or understanding that. And I understand that. But here's the thing, God does too. Because when you heal past those tragedies, and you get beyond what you're dealing with that's difficult, you're going to get down the road, you're going to look back, and you're going to look for the thumbprint and the fingerprint that God had on your life during that time. You may not see it now, but you will see that. And this is exactly what is going on with Joseph. Now, Joseph doesn't say this in the text, but I think Joseph really does, he doesn't understand why this is going on. We don't see Joseph complain or murmur at all through, this, through these teachings or through the scripture that we read. He's just accepting it. Doesn't even say he likes it, but it doesn't say that he doesn't like it. You know, the outlook that Joseph has, as we'll read in the chapter, he's like, okay, I'm in jail, but we're going to see that while he's in this difficult place, he's going to be used of God. And here's the key that I want you guys to understand. If you're in a difficult place right now, and there are things going on that, that are unfair, you don't understand it, I want you to think for a minute, take yourself out of that situation and circumstance and go, God, even though I'm in this situation, I still want to be used by you. And that's very, very important because that very statement that you can commit to in your mind and in your heart is probably what's going to get you through that tough time. It's the hope that you have in Jesus. It's the fact that you can sit and be used and know that you're being used by God and of God even in that trial, even in that difficulty. This is what we see that is going on with um, Joseph. And he, there's, a, there's a couple um, scriptures when I make that statement that God knows and plans every detail of our lives. And, and, and if you are in a difficult situation, God is paying attention. And so you may say, well, what scriptures can you give me that backs up that statement? Because I think most of you agree with me, but I want your heart to agree. And how do we do that? We look through the scriptures. Don't try to write this down. If you need my notes, I'll send them to you. You can just stop me after the service. But I just want you to listen as I read God and his word that he is paying attention to every detail of your life. The will of God is going on in your life. Okay, no matter what comes to you, no matter what circumstance hits you that you find yourself in, God is in it. Psalms 37, 23. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they will never fall for the Lord holds them by the hand. As you hear that, do you take comfort tonight? God has your hand. The song we sang, you hold me now. You know, I love it. Rachel and I don't plan worship and the passage. We, ne we don't have time to do that in our meetings. I love how the Holy Spirit yokes what we sing and what we learn without us even having a conversation. God God is here and he wants you to know that. Proverbs 19, 21, many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that, that prevails. Proverbs 16, 9, we can make our own plans, but the Lord determines our steps. Philippians chapter two, verse 13, 
for God, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. A couple more promises. You know this one, Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Sometimes when we read that and we're in that difficult trial, we go, I feel like you're allowing harm to come my way. But I think if we look at that verse in the perspective that Jeremiah was talking about it, Jeremiah suffered much persecution. He was a prophet. People don't like prophets. You wanna know why? Because they tell you the truth. (laughs) They're black and white. They're direct. And that's not well received sometimes. Jeremiah was a prophet. And he he was suffering. And he was able to say this, He says, plans to not harm you and plans to give you hope in the future. See, Jeremiah knew there was a future beyond his trouble for that very moment. Ephesians 2.10, for we, say we, all of us, there's no one excluded in this room, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You know, I think of the scripture that says, you are not your own. You are bought with a price. You no longer belong to yourself. And then, not are we not only belong to ourselves, our will, our way, or the highway, God, okay? But it says that because we were bought and purchased with a price by his precious blood, that we were saved, sanctified, and redeemed, he also says that we should walk in the things that he's already prepared for us. God has a plan and a will for your life. The second thing tonight that I want you to write down, and you see it, God is with us. You know, we'll probably sing that Christmas song, Emmanuel. That's what it means. God is with us. God is with us as we walk in his plans and his will for our lives. God will never forsake us. God will never abandon us. He is always with us. Now, why can we say that God is with us? Well, quickly, God is omnipresent. It's a big word. It's probably one that we don't use a lot. But omnipresent simply means his presence is every place in every place and every time. God has the ability to be everywhere all the time with everyone. Don't ask me how he does it. I'm not God. He's God. His ways are not our ways. And God can do that. And he's capable of that. And that is called omnipresent. And I love this verse. I can't, I can't go without talking to you about Psalm 139. David wrote this. Psalm 139. If God is omnipresent, look what David says. Where can I flee from your presence, God? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed... In the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of dawn and if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me. You know what David's saying tonight, church? I'm with you and you can't shake me off of you. Wherever you go, I'm gonna be found. Some of you try to leave God behind, don't you? Come on, you're in church. 
We try to shake God like, I don't want you to see that portion of my life. God can't be shaken. He's with you. Why? Because he loves you. He loves us. And he is with us through everything that we'll ever experience. He is omnipresent. God is the creator of the heavens and the earth, and he is in every location. He is the creator of time, the one without beginning or the end. God has been present in the world since creation. We learned that in Genesis 1 when we opened up this, this book, this marvelous book. Are you enjoying Genesis? So much to gain and learn. And, and in Genesis 1, there will never be a time from which God is absent, ever, for believers. We will always be with him. When we leave this earth, we will be with him. And it'll be greater than here now. We have the Holy Spirit to sustain us. But when we're actually face-to-face with the Lord Jesus Christ, it's gonna be a marvelous party. I hope you come. I'll be there, I hope. I don't hope, I know. You should know God's a loving, forgiving God if we receive him as his Lord and Savior. So we look tonight on the life of Joseph and we say, God, that's unfair. And maybe you're sitting here tonight and you're looking at your life and you say, God, this is unfair. And we need to know that God is at work and he is in every detail of our lives. You know this verse very well because I hear you guys quote it. I love when you quote scriptures, but it's in your heart. And when you get in these circumstances, you quote this, you know it, Romans 8, 28. Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, all things, say all things. In all things, good, difficult, things we like, things we don't like. In all things, we know that God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. Folks, you got a purpose in your life. The fact that you woke up and you're breathing, you have a purpose. God is not done with you. And you are called. And Joseph was called. That's what we experience in this story. Now, the second thing I want to talk to you a little bit about is that, remember, Joseph has a gift. And I I use that term gift very loosely. You'll see why. But this gift is to bring about the meaning of dreams. And he has an ability of discernment to interpret whether dreams are from God and if these dreams are true prophecy of what is to come in a person's life from God. I have it up on the screen because this gift or this ability for Joseph to do this, these are all the passages. You can take a picture of it and go go fact check me. But these are all the times where Joseph either had a dream from God and he knew that God spoke to him. Remember, he shared the first two here with his family. Where'd that wine give him wound up? In a well with merchants and, and to mom and dad, he's dead. But these are the places in the scriptures that we see that Joseph has used this gift, if you will, or discernment, if you will, and it's all throughout Genesis. Now, in chapter 40, Joseph used this gift while he was in prison. We're not going to cover 40, but I want to catch you up. He uses this gift while he's in prison now, because that's where he is. And here's what happened. 
And very, this is the fastest chapter that we'll ever go through, okay? Here's the points of 40. He's interpreted the dreams of the king's cupbearer and the king's baker. So the king, Pharaoh, got mad at, at, at these two guys. They work for him. So they get thrown in the king's prison as well, okay? So you've got his cupbearer and you've got his baker, okay? They're in prison with him now. And so he's with them. And so both the cupbearer and the baker were released from prison and went back to work for the king. But before that happened, they go to him and go, hey, Joseph, we had a weird dream last night. And so each one of them told Joseph the dream. And so they said, well, what does that mean? And Joseph tells them what it means. He interprets both of the men's dreams. And here's the key, folks. They came true. The dreams became truth. And so here's how that worked out. The cupbearer remained employed by the king of Egypt. He was able to bring his cup to him, okay? And a cupbearer, by the way, just real quickly, I know you've heard this, but some of you may not know this, is that people tried to kill the king. He was great power over the whole nation of Egypt, and they tried to kill the king. So what's a cupbearer? His one job, if the, if the king's gonna drink out of this, it's not gonna be poison. And that was his one and only job, to supply that king and keep him safe and not get poisoned or killed, right? But so we see that truth, the, the, the truth of the prophecy of the dream interpretation was that he kept his job, but the other one, the man, the baker, he experienced what Joseph said, what he would go through. Now, what was that? Look up on the screen. This is harsh. This is what the dream means. This is verse 18. Joseph said, The three baskets are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head, that's putting it kindly, and impale your body on a pole, and the birds will eat away your flesh. Okay, how many of you tomorrow morning, if you have a dream, want to go stand in line and let Joseph interpret your dreams? Any takers? No, I double dog dare you to go eat Taco Bell at midnight tonight, go to bed and have the craziest, craziest spicy dreams and then go see Joseph. Not, not happening, is it? No, it's not going to happen. But, but here's, here's what's going on. I want to talk to you about this gift that Joseph has. He has discernment and he does interpret dreams. He'll take something bizarre sounding and he'll give truth to it, almost prophetic. Now, I want to talk to you a little bit about dreams and visions. Mostly we see in the Old Testament that certain people had an insight for prophecy. And so God spoke to the leaders and the kings, and he spoke to them a lot of the times specifically through dreams, okay? And then they had uh, people that were gifted. He would give a gift to uh, have them interpret it. And that's how God would talk to him. We see it all throughout the Old Testament. Next time you open up the Old Testament and you run across it, you go, hey, I remember that from Wednesday night. The other way that God spoke back in the Old Testament was he would audibly speak to them, right? And there's so many examples. I don't have time tonight to do that. Now, God would be in their presence, but they would not be able to see him face to face, would they? 
That was not allowed. But they knew he was in his presence and he would audibly speak to them. The, the best one is when Jesus came and got baptized. I know it's New Testament, but it was, it was the, the picture of the Trinity, right? Jesus comes up out of the water, he's baptized. The dove is present, the Holy Spirit, and God was present, the, the, the Trinity. And he said, this is my son whom I'm what? Well pleased. God spoke audibly. So then here comes the New Testament, right? And today we have what? We have the word of God. You're holding it in your hands. God is speaking to you right now. He's speaking to you because you have the word of God open. And the Holy Spirit is given to us in New Testament days all the way to today. The Holy Spirit is in you. When you get saved, the Holy Spirit is there. One of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to speak truth. Jesus said, I only go to the Father and speak truth to you. And he does it through the Holy Spirit. When we read the word of God, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. And he's speaking to us now, okay? Not me, the Holy Spirit. And so we have that in the New Testament. But here's the caveat. And you say, well, can God speak through dreams? Because we're kind of like pastoral New Testament and we're here. This is 2021. Here's the caveat. God will use dreams once again to communicate what is to come near in the end of time. You say, we'll prove it, okay? It's up on the screen, Acts 2.16, verse 8 through 18. Look what, look what um, uh, uh, Paul is, is saying, and what he's doing is he's, qu- he's quoting the prophet Joel in the Old Testament. It says the same thing if you want to go there and look, but it says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, and your old men will do what? Dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. Do you know what's happening in Africa? When I talked to Pastor Oscar in Dakar, Africa, where we used to go before COVID hit, and suspended me from going there on a mission trip. We have Muslims. Dakar is 99.2% Muslim nation. Pastor Mackley is here from Haiti. He has a ministry of over 200 children. He went from a group of children to 200 in two years, correct? The spirit of God is being poured out on the nation and around the world, church. It is happening. I don't have time to talk about end of times prophecy. It is happening. And here's what's happening. Pastor Oscar from Dakar, Muslim nation. But it is a nation in Africa where Muslims can can live peacefully with Christianity. That's why we go there. So when I tap on your shoulder and say, Pete, we're going to Africa. I need you with me. One, you're going to beat up anybody that comes near us. But two, it'll be the most rewarding experience you will ever have in your entire life. And I thank you for what you're doing for that ministry over there. It is incredible what God's doing. But here's the key. The Muslims who don't even know Jesus Christ, they're dreaming about him. They are having dreams. And they are getting saved because they're talking about the dreams. And they're coming to the Christians are going, this is so weird. I have never had this dream. It's never been this powerful. And the Holy Spirit is speaking to the Muslims. Church, we're in the end of times. Embrace it. We need to be on fire. We need to not make apologies for who we are. And the Holy Spirit will give you boldness. Not weird, not radical. Boldness. 
I love Jesus Christ, get over it. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ to your employer, get over it. Not arrogant, but truth. We are in the end of times. So the question that comes up is, is interpreting dreams a spiritual gift from God? The two places that you can find out about the spiritual giftings is Romans chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I wanna point to you, you don't have to turn here, but just listen to me for time's sake. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul speaks about these spiritual gifts that comes from God, but here's the key. He doesn't mention visions or dreams. It's not even in his list of gifts of the Spirit. So the question is, well, wait, Joseph's interpreting this. Is it a gift? Is it prophecy? If you read the end of the story, which we'll, we'll, you gotta come back next week, okay? Spoiler alert, just come back. But we're going to see that every dream that Joseph had, it was definitely prophecy. It was definitely true. So we go, well, is it a spiritual gift or not? Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you can look at it later, prophecy is mentioned as one of the spiritual gifts. We know that, right, Colleen? We know that. However, there's another spiritual gift that is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8, and it says, I'm going to read it to you, to one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same spirit. So the question is, where does a message of knowledge and a message of wisdom come from? Who's it come from? It comes from God. It is two spiritual gifts we talked about. So I have it up on the screen. James 1.5, that's not what's up there. What's up there is what you need to see if it's up there. I think it's up there. Slide number seven, there you go. James 1.5 says, if any of you, that's speaking all of us in this room, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives it generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. So here's how I put this. Is interpreting dreams a spiritual gift? Technically, no. But what you're going to see is that wisdom comes from God and knowledge comes from God. And I love this word. It's called discernment. Y'all know what discernment is. Discernment is when you're standing and talking to somebody and in your mind you're going, they're lying to me. Ever have that? Let me see your hands. Or how about if you're ready to hand them a check for $1,000 and they're gonna come back to your house and do some work on you and the discernment says, mm, I'm gonna have you do the work first and then give you my $1,000 check. Now I see. Now how many hands is that discernment? Oh, you just hand out money? Nobody, nobody has that discernment? My wife does. Yeah, those are on staff. That was a debacle. I was down here and we had somebody, but anyhow, it got fixed. <laughs> you always trip me up. I don't even know where I'm at after you talk. Here's what I want you to know about spiritual gifts, though. Spiritual gifts are given to us for two things and two things only. Don't ever forget this. Number one, if you're sitting in this room and you are a believer of Jesus Christ and received him as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit is in you. And the Holy Spirit wants to give you spiritual giftings if you go and read it. 
And what's cool about that is, is that God is the one whom gives you the spiritual gifts. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to, you have to ask for it. God, I desire the spiritual gifts, but God chooses which gift he gives you or how many. He is a giver of the spiritual gifts. You don't go to a class and train. It's just given to you. But here's the two things. Those of you who have spiritual gifts, it's just not awakened in you. Get ready because he will awaken you to the spiritual giftings that he gives you. And we'll do a night on Holy Spirit and baptism of Holy Spirit one night next year. We'll do that. I want to lead you in that and and give you more information. But here's the two things that you need to know about spiritual gifts. Number one, spiritual gifts are given to you and I so that we can do the Lord's will. If God gives you a gift, he's going to put you in a situation to use it. I promise you. And you don't get a practice run. It just happens. And you go, whoa, I don't even know how I did that. God does. You did it through your spiritual gift. It's him working through you, not your talent and ability. You understand the difference? Number two, spiritual gifts are given to us to point people to God so that he may be glorified. Whoever has spiritual gifts in this room and you know how to exercise and use them, you better give glory to God. Do not point the finger to yourself. God gets the glory. It's his gift. He gave it to you. And this is what we're going to see Joseph do. Look at, um, and Joseph practiced these principles. Look at Genesis 40, verse eight. It's up on the screen. We both had dreams. The baker and the cupbearer answered, but there is no one to interpret them. And Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. You know what he just did? He said, I'm going to interpret your dream. One of you is going to live and be employed. The other one's going to get a pink slip and get killed. But he says, the interpretations and the ability to tell you what God's saying in your dream, that's God. That's from God. You see, he's starting out right, isn't he? He knows how, how to honor God through that gift. And so while Joseph is in prison, God is using him. But God, here, hear me. God is also preparing Joseph a way not to spend the rest of his life in prison, and you'll see this. So before we look at chapter 41, write this down. This is important. Third thing I want you to write down tonight. God's perfect plan is always in order, on time, and precisely carried out. God's plan is always in order. In other words, he's working all things out. It's always on time. Some of you are in a wait mode. You don't like where you're at. It's God's timing when, he's, when he does what he's going to do, and it's precise. Now, you're in chapter 41. Those listening on line 41, we're going to look at verse 1, and this is where we're going to speed up quite a bit. You with me? When two full years had passed, I want to stop right there. What does that mean? What it means is from the time that that Joseph interpreted the baker and the cupbearer's dreams, they left prison. It's been two years since they left prison when he interpreted their dreams and then they got released. Here's the deal they made. They probably should have wrote a contract. When I interpret these dreams... 
please tell people that that's my gift. I can do that, right? Because I'm hoping to get out of here. And they're like, sure, we'll do that. Did they do it? No. The, the, the cupbearer forgot to tell the Pharaoh that he could interpret dreams. Just say, but God. But God, right? You don't have to have a contract. God's in control of your life. God's in control of Joseph's life. So in verse one, Pharaoh, remember, Pharaoh is in charge of all of Egypt, had a dream. He was standing by the Nile, verse two. When out of the river, there came up seven cows, sleek and fat. Can you say Texas Roadhouse? (laughs) And no steroids or hormones. They were sleek and fat. And they gazed among the reeds. Verse three, after them, seven other cows, ugly and gaunt, meaning skinny, let go, came up out of the Nile and stood beside those on the river banks. And the cows that were ugly and gaunt ate up the seven sleek fat cows. And then the Pharaoh woke up. Think, I think so, right? I thought I was gonna eat a steak and then it got devoured by something else, right? Verse five, he fell asleep again. He had a second dream, seven heads of grain, healthy and good. We're growing on a single stock, so now we're going to have a great salad or a great bowl of Triscuits, whatever. After then, seven other heads of grain spouted thin and scorched by the east wind, and the thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven healthy full heads. And then the Pharaoh woke up, and it had been a dream. Now, the, word, the number seven comes up quite a bit. And I want you to know that in the Bible, that the number seven is spoke about 735 times in the Bible. Now, seven means and is the number of completeness and perfection. It's the number of God. In fact, Genesis chapter one, they, he, God introduced this, this number seven. Remember, he said six days God created the world and everything in it. And on the seventh day, God did what? God rested seven complete complete. Seven is complete. It's of God. So seven is very significant here. And so verse eight, you see in your Bible, it says in the morning, his mind was what? Troubled. So he sent for all the magicians and wise men of Jesus. Pharaoh told them his dreams, but no one could interpret them for him. And so we, here we see Pharaoh in his world, in his mind, he calls on two types of people to interpret this troubling message. He knows something's different about it. It's troubling him. So he calls on what he knows to get any kind of insight. He calls on all the magicians and the wise men. Well, here's what the magicians were. They were the spiritual leaders of Egypt. Remember, they were a godless nation. They didn't believe in the one true God, God Almighty. They were sorcerers who communicated with demonic spirits. They called from the dead to help them interpret what that dream would mean. And then the wise men, probably the intelligent, right? The IT dudes, the ones working for Harris, they couldn't figure it out either. So man's wisdom and demonic, you know, interpretation doesn't get him anywhere. Verse nine, then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, today I am reminded of my shortcomings. Really, thank you. Two years later, you remember? And he's like, wait, I know somebody that can interpret dreams. 
Verse 10, Pharaoh was once angry with his servants and he imprisoned me and the, the chief baker in the house and the captain guard. Each of us had a dream the same night and each dream had a meaning of its own. And now young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. And we told him our dream and he interpreted him for us, giving each man the interpretation of his dreams. And things turned out exactly as he interpreted them to us. I was restored to my position and the other man, well, he was a Halloween ornament. He was impaled. I want to point out two things as we stop for a moment. God honors our willingness to serve God with our gifts in every circumstance. Maybe you don't feel like serving when you come in here all the time. That's cool. I don't feel like being here sometimes either. But God honors when we serve him despite how we feel, despite what's going on in our lives, God honors when we serve him. He'll honor you. He will honor your service unto the Lord. Secondly, our willingness to serve brings out about a testimony of God. And I'm not just talking to church now, I'm talking outside the church. The conversations you get into, the testimony of God in your life, God honors that and he opens up doors for more ministry opportunities some of you tell people about our services and tell them how Jesus has changed your life God will honor it keep praying keep talking keep being real be transparent tell them you're not perfect tell them where God rescued you from and tell them how God's changed you radically that's what people want to hear in these last days and when we do that, God will honor what we do. And this is what God's doing with Joseph. He honors Joseph even in prison using his gift. And watch what God is about to do. Verse 14, so Pharaoh sent for Joseph and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. And when he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream and no one can interpret it. But if I have heard it said that you, that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Verse 16, I cannot do it, Joseph says, he replied to Pharaoh, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. You know what that says to me? He's staying true to the humility of the gift that God has given him. Church, we need to stay humble with the giftings that God gives us. We see Joseph giving God all the honor and all the glory and all the credit. His character of humility rises above, get me, his need to get out of jail. Because after all, doesn't Pharaoh hold the key to his prison door? So if I'm Joseph, if I'm being real with you, and I get called out of prison, and I have an opportunity to, to share what his dream is, I might be tempted to say, oh, I'm going to make sure that he knows that I'm special. I need to be in his life. I don't need to go back to prison. In fact, I, I'm going to interpret this so that I can get out of jail forever. Right? You, you following me? He could have done that. But his character, his integrity, and his humility said, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to tell this man that this is not me. This is all God. Now, he might have been wise because he doesn't know what the interpretation is going to be. So he could kind of tell Pharaoh, hey, you're going to be impaled. You're going to die in three days. 
So he's kind of playing it safe in my book, right? And he's saying, no, God's going to interpret this dream, and I'm going to tell you what it is, but we're going to give credit and all the glory to God. How many of you have gotten caught promoting yourself out of pride? I think we all have. Yeah, thank you. We, we get in the habit of saying, I did this, I did that, I, 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 I. Instead, I need to practice, we all need to practice, this is what the Lord did. This, this is what I was able to be a part of that the Lord is doing, right? It's just a matter of words, but it's a heart check for us, isn't it? And so this is what we see in Joseph, great character. Verse 17, then Pharaoh said to Joseph, in my dream I was standing on the bank of the Nile, and he goes through all these things, and he tells him this dream, and he goes, you're in verse 22 through 24, he tells him about the, the heads of grain, and then look at verse 25. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dreams of Pharaoh are one and the same. God, not I, God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years and the seven good heads of grain are the seven years. It is one of the same dream. The seven lean, ugly cows that came up after the seven years and, and so are the seven worthless heads of grain scorched by the east wind. They are seven years of famine. Verse 28, it is just as I said to Pharaoh, God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven years of great Abundance are coming throughout the land of Egypt, but seven years of famine will follow them. Then the abundance in Egypt will be forgotten and the famine will ravage the land. The abundance in the land will not be remembered because the famine that follows it will be so severe. The reason the dream was given to Pharaoh in two forms is that the matter has been firmly decided by God and God will do it soon. You know what the takeaway of that is? God said it, it'll happen. And so we see that the land of Egypt is gonna have seven prosperous years. I think of real estate. My wife's a realtor. Don't call her though, because we're, we're going on vacation for the next year. No, I'm just joking. I don't say that to get you to call her. We really don't like to do business with church people because we just wanna be a friend and part of your life. You know, there's plenty of realtors here in Sebastian. But I say that because in her world, you know, you hear these people say, oh, there's the bubble, there's a bubble and, you know, good years and, you know, and all that. And, and I think we have that mentality. We see that. But the Lord promises seven years of good work, good profit, good abundance, and then seven years of famine. And this famine is going to be like no other famine has ever been heard of. And so God loved Egypt. He loved the people of Egypt. Do you see how he's precisely putting things in place? He could have left Joseph in jail. Pharaoh wouldn't have been warned. So look what Pharaoh does. I think this is smart. Verse 33. And now let Pharaoh look for discerning and wise men and put him in charge of the Egypt. Let Pharaoh appoint commissions over the land, take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. They should collect all the food of these good years that are coming up and store grain under the authority of Pharaoh to keep to be kept in the cities for food. This food should be held in reserve for the country to be used during the seven years of famine that will come upon Egypt so that the country may not be ruined by famine. Verse 37, the plan seemed good to Pharaoh and so all his officials, so Pharaoh asked him, can we find anyone like this man in whom is the what? Spirit of God. You know what's taking place here? Joseph is changing Pharaoh, the unbelieving king leader, 
He's changing his heart and he's doing it little by little with steps of faith. Think about it. Pharaoh went from consulting religious, demonic magicians or priests, if you will, to now consulting and recognizing the spirit of the one true God who is with Joseph. Do you see how you can impact the people you're around outside of this church? Little by little, we can influence people in our life. Use your gift and be patient with what God will do. Look what Pharaoh says in verse 39. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. Verse 40, you shall be in charge of my palace and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. You know what he just did? He put Joseph in charge of everything. He's number two man. From prison to number two man. Why? Because he handled his gifts and is willing to serve the Lord in what the Lord gave him, even in the midst of a difficult circumstance. That's the takeaway tonight for each and every one of us. 41, so the Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his, his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen, put a gold chain around his neck, and had him ride in the chariot as his second in command. And people shouted before him, make the way. Thus he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. 44, then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, but without your word, no one will lift one hand or foot in all of Egypt. Pharaoh gave Joseph the name, and he goes over his names, and on to be his wife, and Joseph went to the land of Egypt. Joseph was 30 years old, 30 years old now, when he entered the service of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. And I have a slide up here just to break it down since we're going through Joseph's life. He was born in a ram. Remember, he was one of 12 sons, if you've been following on Wednesday nights. He was six years old when he traveled to Canaan with the family. He was 17 years old, as I told you, when he was sold as a slave. He was 28 years old when he interprets the dreams for the butler and the baker. And look at that, 30 years old, he interprets dreams for Pharaoh and becomes second in command. You can take that down. So we see the life of Joseph giving all of his life to the work of the Lord and trusting him all along the way. 47, during the seven years of abundance, the land produced plentiful. Joseph collected all the food produced in those seven years of abundance in Egypt and stored it in the cities. Each city he put the food grown in the fields surrounding it. Joseph stored up huge quantities of grain like sand of the sea. It was so much that he stopped keeping records because it was beyond measure. Verse 50, before the years of famine came, two sons were born. And so God blessed him with sons and, and a wife. But look what he names his firstborn, Manasseh. Here's what it means. It is because God has made me forget what? All my trouble and all my father's household. You see, God is not only blessing him for his gifts, but God is helping him heal from the rejection of his family. We talked a lot through this series about brokenness and dysfunctional families. Remember we had a two-part series, Taking the Dysfunction Out of Family, part one and two. Another way that you can get over hurts in your life is that you take your mind off yourself and your problems and you continue to serve the Lord and the Lord will heal you because you're so busy doing the work of the Lord that you take your eyes off yourself. I know a doctor's not gonna write a prescription for that, but Dr. God 
will heal you if you focus on him and you do his work. He'll heal you. He'll sustain you. Then he has another child, the second son he named Ephraim. Look what it means. It is because God made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. God acknowledges Joseph's suffering and trials. 53, the seven years of abundance in Egypt came to an end and seven years of famine began. And just as Joseph has said, there was a famine in all the other lands, but in the whole land of Egypt, there was food. When Egypt began to feel the famine, the people cried to Pharaoh for food. And then Pharaoh told all the Egyptians, go to Joseph and do what he tells you. When the famine had spread over the whole country, Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold grain to the Egyptians for the famine was severe throughout Egypt. Verse 57, the last verse. And all the what? All the world came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph because the famine was severe everywhere. Let me ask you a question tonight. Does Joseph still have a family in Egypt? His blood family? Are they still alive? Yeah. They're experiencing the same famine. Do they need to eat for the next seven years? Yeah, they do. You wanna come back and see how this story ends. And I'm gonna wrap it up with just a couple statements. In verse one through 57 that we quickly went over, this passage gives us three examples, and I told you before, God's perfect plan is always in order, on time, and precisely carried out. Joseph was a man who honored God no matter what with his gifts. And the gifts that he told about, God honored by bringing it to fruition. He stepped out in faith with his gift and God made that prophecy come true. That was the accreditation and validity that kept Joseph a number two man. He stepped out for God. God met him where he was and amazing things happen. That is what Joseph is experiencing no one else in the land would be able to warn Egypt of what was about to happen, the famine that was in seven years. I want you to just listen to me. Joseph was a man who was forgotten in prison, a prison sentence that he didn't deserve. God was faithful by the gift he gave. And the nation of Egypt would starve, but God was in every detail I truly believe that if Joseph wouldn't obeyed everything we saw tonight, many would have died. I read to you this passage earlier, Proverbs 19.21. Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails for you and I. God's plans for your life comes in perfect timing God saw that he was removed from jail and put in charge over all Egypt he was the second man in the whole country and Joseph had seven years of God's abundant blessing stored up through the seven year famine I want to say this God's plan for your life is perfect I want you to take that away tonight and it really is a matter of you processing that isn't it if you're going through a hard time, it's gonna be difficult to receive that. But I hope this story shows you that even in difficulty, God's plan 
is perfect. He's behind the scenes working on your behalf and you don't even know it. Just as Joseph didn't know what was going on when he was in prison, interpreting a dream in a little dark corner, God was behind the scenes. He knew what was coming. And I encourage you tonight, God is behind the scenes in your life. He knows what's coming. Will you trust him? Will you trust him? He will do a mighty work with a tiny mustard seed of faith. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for this story. God, there's so much to take out of this, but Lord, I pray that, I pray that we leave here realizing that every person counts, we all count. You have a plan, you've given us gifts, and God, all you ask is our willingness as a Christ follower. We, we know that you wanna use our testimony, you wanna use everything about our lives, and that is our testimony. Lord, we also thank you for the healing that we saw in this story that Joseph received because he took his eyes off himself and he moved forward with you. I pray that if there's anyone in this room that is hurting, they're in a very bad place, a difficulty that they have no answers. God, would you assure them through your Holy Spirit that you have the answers. God, give us patience as you work behind the scenes. May our hope be in you and you alone. And may we always seek your word and the Holy Spirit to guide and direct our steps. We love you tonight, Lord. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for leading this Bible study tonight. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said. Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Sebastian podcast channel. If this message impacted your life, we encourage you to share it with a friend. We're located at 1251 Sebastian Boulevard, just northeast of Intersection 90th Avenue and State Road 512 in Sebastian, Florida. Our service times are Saturday evening at 6 p.m., Sunday morning at 1045 a.m., and Wednesdays at 630 p.m.